Uh, hello, I'm Rachel, if we haven't met. Uh, I'm going to be doing the Bible reading today. It comes from Titus chapter 1, verse 7, to Titus chapter 2, verse 1, which is on page 1030 of the Church Bibles. So Titus chapter 1, beginning at verse 7. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray as we open God's word. Father, what we know not, teach us. And what we have not, give us. And what we are not, would you please make us? We pray this for your glory and your son Jesus' fame. Amen. Well, in 2017, four doctors walked into a hospital in Kabul, Afghanistan. They looked like doctors, only they weren't. After entering, they opened fire and killed 30 people and injured 50 or 60 more. What's so shocking about it is a hospital is a place for the weak and for the vulnerable, and doctors are to be those who are trusted, who heal. But these doctors had not come to heal but to harm. And in many ways, that is like false teaching. This passage we just had read is all about false teaching, False teaching, which may sound Christian, may look Christian and biblical on the surface, but really it causes great harm, great damage to God's beloved people. And God's church is so precious. God's people are so precious. You are so precious. And that's why false teaching is so dangerous. Listen to what Jesus said. It's up on the screen, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Or in Acts chapter 20. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. It's been said that Satan has two strategies to try and take down the church, two strategies. One strategy is from the outside, persecution. And that's hard, but in many ways, persecution from the outside 
often causes the church to grow. His second strategy is far more dangerous. It's false teaching from the inside. And that leaves Christians, leaves churches confused, weak, damaged, and knocked down. False teaching is serious. And so that's why Paul, Paul's the one who's writing this letter. He's writing to Titus, who is on the island of Crete. And he wants to make sure that false teaching is stopped. If you were with us last week, we looked at how Paul wants there to be godly leaders in all the churches at Crete. He talked, we talked last week the positive, the positive view of having good, godly leaders. And one of the things he said at the end of that section, look at verse 9 with me, chapter 1, verse 9 of Titus. This is talking about what the godly leaders are meant to do. It says, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. That's the role of a pastor or a church leader, to hold firmly to the trustworthy message. Not hold loosely to the Bible, hold firmly. Encourage those with sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. False teaching, refute it. A pastor in the church, in the Bible, is often referred to like a shepherd. And you think about a shepherd, they're caring for their flock. And a shepherd has a staff which they use to care for the sheep and guide the sheep. But a shepherd also has a rod to keep out wolves, to protect the sheep from attack. And that's the role that a pastor has, caring with the word and also protecting. This isn't just for pastors, though. For those of you who are connect group leaders or kids church leaders or youth group leaders, or even just when you're talking about the Bible if you're a Connect Group member or talking in the pews after church or talking to a friend, we all have to be on guard for false teaching. Now, what kind of false teaching is this today? Well, you may not know this, but a few months ago, we had someone regularly attending church here at Macquarie Park. They came for about two months, and they claimed to be the second coming of Jesus. And they were talking to people about that, having long conversations with people about that, making them feel uncomfortable, handing out pamphlets, pushing their teaching. Now, that was kind of obvious. Most people didn't really fall for it. If, that, if he was the second coming of Jesus, it would have been a bit of a letdown. I could tell you that. Um, but there is other false teaching that is much more deceptive. The pastor that says, become a Christian, and if you do that, God will give you health, and he will give you wealth, and he'll give you success. That's prosperity theology. It is running rampant in the U.S. and across Africa. What about uh, the Christian who says, the Bible, it's a human document. It's not really the Word of God. It's not meant to all be taken literally. What about the person who says, The Bible doesn't say much about sexuality. God wants you to be happy. He's a God of love. Jesus didn't talk much about homosexuality. That's a view that's being adopted by so many churches, even in the Anglican Church of Australia. Just this last week, the Church of England blessing same-sex marriages, abandoning the Bible's teaching about marriage. Or people who say, if you're a Christian you'll speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you don't speak in tongues, you're not really a Christian. 
or people who say, God is a God of love. Why do we talk about hell? Why do we talk about sin? Why do we talk about judgment? Let's just focus on the love. Do you see all these kinds of things? They're so common. And so we've got to be on guard for false teaching. So we've got three points tonight. Firstly, why false teaching is a problem. Secondly, how to spot it. And thirdly, how to stop it. Let's look at firstly at the problem of false teachers. Look at how Paul describes these false teachers in Crete. Firstly, he says, verse 10, he calls them rebellious. He says, for there are many rebellious people. They're rebellious. They are rebelling against the authority of God's word. They're not submitting to what God says. They're they're a law unto themselves. You know, pastors are to be accountable. It's very important that pastors are accountable to others and to God. And when we've seen pastors that are a law unto themselves and aren't accountable to anyone, churches just go bad. And these teachers, they're rebellious. They're they're a law unto themselves. They're only submitting to their own authority. Next thing Paul says is they're full of meaningless talk. You see that there, verse 10? Full of meaningless talk. They're constantly talking. And the things that they're teaching, the things that they're promoting, it's just meaningless. It's just rubbish. It's all smoke, no fire. I wonder if you've ever had the experience, you go along to a church and maybe there's a pastor preaching and they're a great public speaker. It's engaging. It's flashy. They're funny. But after a few weeks of going, you realize it's the same sermon every week or there's no substance or it's just kind of preaching what's cool, and it's not actually based on the diet of God's Word. It's like if you eat lollies. Lollies taste great, but they're not nutritious. They're not good for a balanced diet. And Paul says that these leaders, they're just, they're just speaking meaningless talk, not the Word of God. Which, by the way, can I say is why it's so important to make sure that any church you choose to attend preaches God's word faithfully. Now, one of the ways we do that, we try and do that, is through what's called exegetical preaching, which is what we're doing now. We are preaching through the book of Titus, passage by passage, sometimes even verse by verse, which means when I woke up this morning, I didn't go, what do I feel like preaching about today? What's kind of been on my mind? What's my hobby horse? What am I just super into? No, I woke up and went, well, what's God got for me to teach today? You see the difference? It means that as we go through books of the Bible, sometimes we come to passages that are challenging, and that's what God wants us to speak on. And and sometimes we come to things that we may not have actually thought about, but we're letting God set the agenda. Now, it's not the only way of preaching, all right? And sometimes we do topical one-off sermons. It's not the only way, but it is a good way to make sure that our teaching is built on God's Word, first and foremost. What's the next thing Paul says about these false teachers? He says they're deceiving. Verse 10. He says they're deceiving. Uh, I got a text um, half an hour ago. I wonder if you get these a lot. Notice, you need to pay overdue final toll invoice. Please visit <laughs> rebrand.ly slash ravio 
timely processing. Thanks for your prompt action. Do you guys get this? They cut like every day now. It's constant. I don't know. Anyway, um, maybe it's because my details got leaked with Optus. Thanks, Optus. Anyway, um, you know, you read these. I mean, they seem to be getting worse. But when I first got them, they were kind of believable at first glance. You know, I read it and went, oh, no, I've got an overdue toll. That's how deception works. It's something that you look at and it, it looks familiar enough. It's got just enough truth there that makes you think, oh, yeah, it could deceive you. It could deceive you. And uh, that's what Paul says these false teachers are doing. They're, they're deceiving. They're deceiving. He says in verse 12 that Cretans are kind of known for this. He quotes one of the philosophers of the time. It was a well-known saying that Cretans are always liars. And he says, yeah, that well-known saying you've all heard, yeah, it's true. Look at all the lying false teachers you have. I um, have in my pocket a $50 note. Uh, Obviously, though, you can see that it kind of looks like a $50 note in a lot of senses. Um, I'm covering where it says play money. Um, but in many ways, it's not the real thing. And that's obvious to you. My, I've got a friend who, though, works for the RBA, and he's got such a cool job. His job is to implement security features in banknotes so that you can tell which ones are legit and which ones aren't. You may not know this, but on the new banknotes, um, if you shine a UV light on them, it says what year that they're printed and it's got a code. Uh, if you spin it in the right light, a bird flaps its wings. Did you know all this stuff? Don't look at it now. Go, not that anyone carries money anymore, but anyway. Um, those things are there because people are trying to pass off something as being legit when it's not by making it look just believable enough. To get the gullible. That's the most dangerous false teaching. The most dangerous false teaching is when it sounds right in some ways. I heard just this week about Christians going onto uni campuses in O Week or Welcome Week, and someone comes up to them and says, Hey, you Christian, join my Christian group. Only they're members of a cult, and they get trapped in there for years. And can I say, maybe you're here and you've been a Christian for a while. And maybe you're really good at the game, spot the heresy, okay? Maybe you're always going to score 10 out of 10, spot the false teaching. Great. But what about the new Christian? What about the person who doesn't really know you? They've just become a believer. What about the vulnerable person who's hurting? Do we love them? See, you may be able to go to the conference or read the book and, and decipher, okay, that's true, I'm not going to listen to that, but what about others? We all have a role to play in guarding against false teaching. The next thing he says about these false teachers, you see at the end of verse 11, they're doing it for the sake of dishonest gain. We've all heard those stories about preachers overseas who are calling for an offer tree for a new private jet. I don't even know where I'd park a private jet if I had one. <laughs> you know, leaders that are leading for power or leading for fame, all dishonest gain. 
And the next sign of these false teachers, you see it in verse 16, it's their lifestyle. Verse 16, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. See, you can tell someone's doctrine by their behavior. You can tell what someone believes by the way it plays out in their life, in their living. And uh, these false teachers, they clearly showed that they didn't know the truth because they were living an ungodly life. And that's the whole theme of the book of Titus. We've seen that our theme for this series is from grace flows goodness. When you know the grace of God, it overflows into good works. But look at how these false teachers are described, unfit for doing anything good. They don't know the grace of God. It's empty what they believe. And so their lifestyle is not bearing godly fruit. So that's what these false teachers look like. What was the false teaching going on in Crete? What was it? Well, we don't know specifically what it exactly was. It seemed to be something to do with circumcision. You can see it there in verse 10. Those are the circumcision group. So here's what was happening. The Jews in the Old Testament were commanded to be circumcised if they were a male. But Christians, we believe that you are saved just by trusting Jesus. But what was happening is there were these false teachers who were saying, hey, it's not enough for you to just trust Jesus. You've also got to be circumcised. Even if, you haven't, even if you're not a Jew by background, you need to be circumcised if you're a true believer. See, what they were preaching was Jesus plus theology. Jesus, trust him, but it's not enough, plus circumcision. It was legalistic. It was their own rules. It was their own inventions. But here's the thing. Here's a bit of maths for you. Jesus plus equals minus Jesus. If you try and add anything to Jesus, you're saying that Jesus isn't enough. And you're actually taking Jesus out. Now, if you're here and, and, and you're exploring who Jesus is, you need to know the way we are saved is through Jesus alone and what he did for us when he died on that cross. The way we are saved is by placing our trust and faith in him. It's by his grace. It's by his goodness. And our whole Christian life is serving him. We don't need anyone else or anything else to bring us into a relationship with God. We just need Jesus. Now, my guess is in 2023, men, if you heard a false teacher say, hey, if you're a real Christian, line up now, let's get circumcised, you would not fall for it. You'd run the other way, all right? Not that believable in 2023, not really going to fool people, but this kind of Jesus plus preaching is still everywhere. That if you're a Christian, you've got to trust Jesus and you've got to speak in tongues. That if you're a Christian, you've got to trust Jesus, but you also got to vote for the Republican Party and not the Democrats. That's very common in the US. Or even the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. 
I think there are many Roman Catholic church members who are Christians. Don't get me wrong. But the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church is filled with this Jesus plus teaching. That to be a Christian, you trust Jesus, but you've also got to be a good person and do good things to earn God's approval. Jesus plus. That you've got to trust Jesus, but you've also got to pray to Mary and the saints. That Jesus has all the authority, but also so do the church traditions. Do you see? Jesus plus. How wonderful is it that we only need Jesus? Jesus alone, faithful in him alone. And anything else that's added, any of this plus stuff, look at how it's described, verse 14. Pay no attention to Jewish myths or to merely human commands. It's just human commands. That's what it is. I love when I preach and I see people reading the Bible, following along. Because it means that you can check that I'm not preaching merely human commands. That what I'm saying is there in the Word of God. I'm not making it up. We don't have time for legalism or man-made rules. That's the last thing we need. We want to hear from Jesus. So how do you spot false teaching? How do you spot it? It's worth pointing out uh, that not all teaching that you disagree with is necessarily false teaching. <laughs> you know, Christians have, for centuries, disagreed on things. Infant baptism, do you baptize babies or not? Uh, can women be pastors or not? Does the gift of healing continue today? All kinds of things that Christians have disagreed on and, and still been united so it's not the case that as soon as there's a disagreement, you know, that person's a heresy and go and grab your heresy bell and ring it loudly. What we're talking about is core things. Who Jesus is. How you get saved. Is the Bible the Word of God? What does it mean to be a Christian and live the Christian life? Those core things. When someone is will continually preaching that and even if they're corrected they don't repent that is heresy so how do you spot it how do you spot false teaching i've got seven quick thoughts here and most of these i've taken from a writer called kevin de young there's probably others that you could add but here's here's seven that i thought were good firstly does the teaching sound strange does the teaching sound strange? We're in our connect group this week, and um, there were some members talking about a church they were in a few years ago, and um, half the church started believing in this crazy teaching about coins appearing on walls and being stuck on walls and all this. I, I couldn't really follow. And it just split the whole church in half. It was strange. It was weird. That's often a good sign. If you see something that just sounds wacky, it's often maybe a good sign that, Maybe you should be suspicious. Or if it's something you've never heard before. I mean, if you've been a Christian for five, ten years and you hear an idea and you go, gee, I never heard that talked about before. It's a brand new teaching. Well, the Bible wasn't written in the last five years. I mean, 
you should be skeptical if there's something that you've never heard before. That's the first thing. Does it sound strange? The second one. Does it sound too good to be true? Now, heaven is too good to be true. But I'm talking about if there's teaching that's promising you that if you're a Christian, you'll be wealthy or everything will go successfully for you. If it sounds too good to be true, be cautious. Number three, does it involve religious ritualism or holy water or magic? Being a Christian is mystical. There's wonder. There's mystery. But it's not magical. Number four, does it involve prophecy? Now, let me explain this. The New Testament talks about the gift of prophecy. And Christians disagree on this. I think that gift continues today. But when someone says, God said this to me, it must always be weighed up against the Word of God because that is the authority. And so if someone's saying, well, God said this, God told me to tell you this, and you can't, it's not in the Bible or it doesn't match up, you should be suspicious. Number five, does the false teaching neglect the need for repentance? If the teaching you're hearing is just feel-good stuff all the time, making you feel happy and feel good, and there's never talk about sin, repenting, coming back to God, living the Christian life in obedience, and that, that's the daily Christian life. If that's not there, I'm not talking about just you know, one sermon, I'm talking about regular, if that's not there, should be wary. Number six, does the teaching seem obsessed about one person, one doctrine, or one idea? Always talking about the end of the world. And they're just obsessed with the end of the world and, oh, is that, the, is that Jesus coming? Is that the end times? Is it the apocalypse? And that's all they ever talk about. And they're not talking about other parts of the Bible. You should be suspicious. Or if they're always talking about how Jesus is a human but not how he's God. Or if they're always talking about how God is love but they don't talk about how God is a judge. You see, if they're kind of obsessed at one idea, not others, that you should be cautious. And lastly, I think this is a big one. Does it contradict something you know to be true from another passage of Scripture. If they say something and you know that there is other passages of Scripture that, that contradict that, you know you should be cautious. So there's seven signs. I'm sure you've got more. Seven ways to spot false teaching. So once we spot it, though, what do we do? How do we stop it? Well, let's look at what Paul says to Titus. Firstly, let's look at the negative side. Paul says to Titus that they need to be silenced. It's there in verse 11. He says they must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. Paul says, shut them up. Take away their microphone. 
Stop them being connect group leaders. Don't let them lead kids' church anymore. Don't let them lead the Christianity Explored table because their teaching is hurting people. It is disrupting whole households. Silence them. Do you notice it's, it's pretty urgent, actually? He says that, that you must silence them. There are so many stories of false teaching causing church divisions or whole denominations that, that think that if they follow this false teaching, they'll grow when really they die. You know, think about a surgeon, a surgeon who's operating on someone. They're going in to find the bit of cancerous cells, tissue, and their goal is to cut out that tissue so that it doesn't spread. That's the goal. And what we need to do is spiritual surgery, find the false teaching, cut it out, silence it so it doesn't spread. Here's the thing. I wonder if you've heard this idea before. Why... I focus on what we don't agree with. Let's focus on what we do agree on. There's enough disunity out there. Let's be unified. Let's just focus on what we do agree on. You heard that before? See, that idea is very common, and it's used to say, hey, well, yeah, do we really have to confront false teaching? Do we really have to confront people we disagree on? Now, It is a place for loving each other. We have to love each other and listen to each other and and be teachable. That's important. And there are some people who take this all too far and they're like heresy hunters. And uh, every sermon, they're just ready to ring their heresy bell. But Paul here, I mean, there's a zero tolerance approach because, you know, it's actually loving to correct false teaching. See, unity is important. But unity cannot come at the expense of false teaching. You're either going to be divided by the false teacher or divided or, or, or caught... Sorry, let me say that again. Either we divide from the false teachers or we're going to let the false teacher divide us. You see? You, either way, you can't avoid division. And so we actually need to cut and silence false teaching. I think sometimes we fear being seen as narrow-minded more than we want to be loving and protecting people. And that's a problem. Paul says, verse 13, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith. In other words, the goal is that they repent. The goal is that they come back. The surgeon, they're cutting so that they can heal. And so when false teaching is corrected, our goal is that they repent, that they come back to to God's word. We do it out of love. So let me ask you, is there any kind of teaching that you're listening to that perhaps you need to be wary of? If you look for a Christian podcast, there's all kinds of rubbish there. If you walk into a Christian bookstore, there's all kinds of rubbish and meaningless talk there. Or maybe there's someone you know that you need to warn in love. We've all got this part to play in cutting out 
the cancerous growth of false teaching in God's family. That's the negative. What about the positive? Paul tells Titus, teach the truth. It's there in chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the truth. Why? God's church is so precious, isn't it? You are so precious. And we must protect each other and protect God's flock. And God's word is so precious. Isn't it wonderful that we have his words of life, that he speaks to us? Do you love God's word? We don't need Jesus plus. We don't need to add anything. We don't need to take anything away. We have God's very precious words of life. And so church, let's hold firmly to it. Let's love it. Let's be on guard for the sake of each other and for the sake of the health of our church. Let's be a church and a people that love the truth and build our church upon it because it's Jesus' church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words of life. And please forgive us for the times as a church where we have fallen and we know, Father, that there is no perfect church and no perfect church leader. We pray, Father, that you would help us to submit ourselves to the authority of your word, to have leaders that preach and teach your word faithfully. We pray for those leaders in our gathering now that you would be with them in that task. We pray for those people here tonight who are new Christians, that they might build their life on your word. We pray for people here tonight who are vulnerable, that they would not fall sway to false teaching. Father, remind us of your goodness and the goodness of your son Jesus and the goodness of his teachings. And protect us from wolves in sheep's clothing. We trust you. We love you. And we pray this in your mighty name. Amen.